having a miserable week? Well, hang in there, because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my good pal, Jacob Redman. Jacob, how you doing on this fine morning? I'm doing great, Zach. Uh, I've just been mystified since watching this episode at the accuracy of the Yuyan archers. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get into this, but, you know, I did a little bit of archery in my day, uh, and I was terrible at it. So to see someone this good, like, putting Robin Hood to shame, it, it, it's had me shook for days. Yeah, the Yuyan archers, they're a little, I mean, we, I don't think we ever see them again, but they're actually yeah. like a very useful military like <laughs> group in a way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially in this episode, we'll talk, we'll get into it, but yeah, I yeah, agree and, with you. These guys are impressive. Yeah, and you think like, you know, the most powerful people in this universe should be the people who can literally bend elements out of their hands. And somehow these Yuyan archers are pretty intimidating. I think that you'd be hard pressed if you were like a firebender and uh, airbender to really combat these Yuyan archers. They're, yeah, they're scary. Well, even they're so good for stealth operations. Like, mm-hmm. we talked about the Kiyoshi Warriors a couple of episodes ago, and they were really good at ambushing people from rooftops, but the UEN archers can get you from, like, 50 feet away, and you won't even know what hit yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, that's had me just, you know, pondering my life choices. I think maybe I should have gone into archery and tried to develop the skills like they have, because that's pretty <laughs> impressive. The thing is, though, there's no war going on. And even if uh, there was, what would you do with your archery? Unless you go into the Olympics, I guess you could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, in the Olympic Games that they'd be taking home the gold medal for the Fire Nation every time. Oh, definitely. Definitely. hundred percent. Unless every nation's got their own Yuyan archer group, which I highly doubt. But yeah, yeah we, we can, I mean, we can get into this episode. So what were your thoughts on this episode, Jake? Or like thoughts before our recap? Because I have some stuff I want to talk about. Yeah, I, I remember liking this episode. And I think on the rewatch, it mostly holds up. Uh, I think it's a good episode for the sort of character development we get out of Zuko. Uh, you know, last episode, we get the reason why Zuko is so intent on capturing the Avatar is because uh, that's what can restore his honor. And this episode, we kind of see something new out of Zuko, which is him helping uh, the Avatar. Obviously, it's so that he can later capture Aang uh, instead of Zhao getting the credit. But I think this is a good episode. I think it really capitalizes on what they did last week. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of that. I think this was a very good episode for Zuko development-wise. And I was telling you in the pre-show, this is one of the episodes where when I was watching Avatar for the first time, I was always into it. But then this episode, I saw it and I was like, damn, that's what this is the episode that really got me hooked into Avatar. And then on a rewatch, while it does hold up, especially the whole escape sequence, I just thought some of the herbalist stuff and some of the... The episode kind of starts slow in a way. And then it really picks up in the end, but... Overall, solid episode. I enjoyed it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think that's that's a good place to jump on into the episode. So, we start out with this very intimidating uh, messenger hawk approaching a gigantic castle-like fortress. This fortress is very intimidating. Uh, Like, I know that the Fire Nation has a lot of intimidating buildings, uh, as we saw with, like, um, you know, the past Avatar Roku has that temple that was pretty intimidating. But this was scary. Uh, What do you think about this, Zach? No, I agree. And, like, I don't know. These Fire Nation architects must be making mad bank, because all they're doing 
is building these like menacing Fire Nation penitentiary fortresses at fortresses everywhere. Because then I remember also the George Takei. Like when he was the warden and in prison, he also had that island fortress. So yeah, this was quite terrifying, honestly. And you got the music and everything. Yeah. It's all dark and stuff. So I agree with you completely. It was very yeah. menacing here. I, I think it's funny that you mentioned the Fire Nation architects. Like obviously we know the Fire Nation's pretty advanced, but yeah, their architecture is pretty good. Uh, they've got some Frank Lloyd Wrights in the mix of their uh, Fire Nation army. Yeah, I'm going to just pretend like I know who Frank Lloyd Wright is. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree with you. These these guys, they're good at their architecture, honestly. Yeah. So the episode Wright, he's an American architect. Sorry, I probably should have uh, gotten with someone more universal since you are from Canada. But if you ever come to Chicago, I can show you one of the houses that he designed. Oh, no, it's all good. I mean, he's probably famous and I'm just dumb and don't know who he is. So it's not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we'll, so we'll continue here. So Zhao wants, he wants these, basically these archers that we were talking about. He wants them to join his hunt for the avatar, but this commander who's using them as security guards, he isn't budging. And what do you think here? Do you think this is a good use of the archers from this commander? Well, I have to say that this fortress is pretty intimidating and I'm not really sure who's going to be attacking it. Like it doesn't look like it's, uh, you know, I guess in the line of fire, uh, like, it doesn't seem like it's exactly on the front line. So, it seems like maybe this is safe to let these archers go for a day. Because it's, like, it turns out that the archers only need about a day in order to capture the Avatar. So, it does seem like a pretty good return on investment, honestly. Uh, I was a bit surprised that there was so much pushback here. Uh, yeah, this... That no, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. And this commander, like, not to ever be Team Zhao, of course, he's the big bad antagonist. But this commander just seemed pretty vain and stuff. He's just keeping yeah. these archers for essentially no reason, just because yeah. he wants some, a little bit of extra protection. Yeah, this guy, he's definitely got Napoleon Syndrome. You know, he's pretty short. Uh, he's not really as tall as Zhao. Zhao's pretty intimidating, especially when we saw him take his shirt off a few episodes ago. My guess is this guy's uh, more on the Uncle Iroh side than the Commander Zhao side in terms of intimidation from pure looks alone. So it seems maybe he's just trying to stick it to Zhao. Uh, but then the hawk that we saw at the beginning delivers a message from Fire Lord Ozai. And it says that now Commander Zhao becomes Admiral Zhao. And I wondered, Zach, do you know what rank this other person was to where when they when Zhao goes from Commander to Admiral, that Zhao becomes his superior? Because I didn't think that Admiral was super high up. Neither did I. And I'm also confused by this because I think Zhao refers to him as command, the other guy's commander. Maybe I'm wrong and I misread that or I, misheard that. I thought he that. said colonel, but I oh, thought he said, he, said was, he said colonel. Okay. Yeah. I thought colonel was like even higher than admiral. See, what's weird though is like regardless of what ranks they were, this guy was ranked above Zhao. So did Zhao, my question for you is like, did Zhao get promoted two ranks here? Like multiple ranks? Cause this guy goes from being above Zhao to Zhao being above him. Like wouldn't him being promoted make them equals that's yeah. why i found that confusing yeah it, it does seem a bit odd and i'm not even sure what Zhao gets promoted over like sure he knows the avatars out there but it's not like he's really done anything yet so it, this did seem totally unwarranted uh commander Zhao really finessed this uh this you know uh pay raise that he got i think uh next time i'm negotiating a salary i need to you know uh channel my inner commander Zhao to become admiral Zhao. 
True, we've talked down some of his strategy earlier. He couldn't even track, in the pirate episode, he couldn't even track down uh, Team Avatar without following Zuko. So, no, I agree with you. Unless maybe he's just done such a good job leading this fortress in a way. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, but (laughs) essentially, uh, you know, he finesses this pay raise. He gets that nice, sweet promotion. I'm sure he gets a fancy desk and a nice corner office. But the other thing that he gets is full control of the Yuyan archers. And he tells the colonel that my request just became an order, which is a pretty good line. Uh, I think this I think he might have had some time to prepare because that was pretty smooth. Yeah, Zhao's voice actor, especially in this episode, but all throughout season one, does such a good job with every, with his delivery and stuff. He just sounds so like evil in a way. And then uh, yeah. while 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 all this hap- while all this is happening, we see a certain uh, man on a roof in uh, overhearing <gasps> all of this in his blue mask. This is the who first time. We see- yeah, who could this be? And then <laughs> later on, of course, it'll be revealed to be Zuko. And you actually noticed a couple of episodes ago that in his chambers he had the blue spirit mask as well as his sabers, which he'll be using throughout this yeah. episode. Yeah, so I I did pick out that detail, and I think that this is a dead giveaway. You know, if anyone else is as observant as I am, they're like, oh, uh, that's Zuko, uh, for sure, 100%. And I feel like they can capture him pretty easily, but it seems like he's able to get away with it. He's uh, hiding in the darkness in that blue mask. Yep, yep. So we'll, we'll move on here pretty much. Not much else to glean from that opening scene. So the next scene, we're back with Team Avatar. And Sokka's got a really bad fever from the storm from last episode. He's quite delirious. He's just speaking nonsense. He thinks like Momo and Appa can talk. I feel like this is like almost common from Sokka in a way. Because like in season two, we'll also see him hallucinating off the mm-hmm. cactus juice. That's one of the more like memeable episodes. So yeah. Sokka's just hallucinating here. Katara's tending to him, but then Aang notices she sounds sick, too. She starts coughing. So, Aang decides to just go get some medicine. Is there anything else you want to talk about from this scene here? Yeah, I think there are a few funny things here. So, first off, Sokka is convinced that Appa is like some stand-up comedian now, delivering one-liners. Essentially, anytime Appa makes a noise, Sokka's laughing, saying, Oh, Appa's sense of humor is the best. Uh, which I thought was funny. The other thing that I thought was a bit more interesting is that Sokka says, take that rocks. Uh, but Aang thinks that he's an earthbender. Does that mean that Aang thinks that earthbenders fight rocks? Cause it <laughs> seems like Sokka is like fighting against rocks instead of like using the rocks to fight. So I think Aang's not really sure about earthbending. I mean, <laughs> so far we've only seen him airbend and waterbend, but I'm not even sure he understands what earthbending's about. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't have Toph to give him a crash course in earthbending just yet. He's never earthbended before from what we've seen. So you're right. Like maybe he just doesn't understand the earthbending fundamentals here. Yeah. Yeah, it shows. Um, yeah. And then, and so Aang sprints away here. But one thing I noticed, I forgot, like airbenders have this crazy speed. Like I didn't realize Aang can like run like a hundred kilometers per hour or something. At least that's what yeah. we see him like run over the hills, like almost like the road runner in Looney Tunes. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know <laughs> how else to describe point. it. He's going at like top speed here. Like just because he's, he sees Katara sick. He's like, okay, I got to go get some medicine. And then he can't glide away because the yeah, storm is raining. Yeah. Because it's raining. And yeah, I guess I forgot how Aang can run at these top speeds. <laughs> I think saying that he's the roadrunner is perfect. Uh, In this case, he kind of is uh, road running around. Hopefully he doesn't go off a cliff and start to look down. 
Um, but yeah, I think that he runs here. And I think that the reason he decides to run is that the writers didn't want to uh, deal with his staff later, like whether he was going to be able to recover it or not. So they were just like, let's just have him run, leave his staff back at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. That makes sense. I mean, he still, I mean, not to fact check you here, but he does take his staff with him, I'm pretty sure, because he does oh. use it in the escape sequence later, which, which we'll get into. I, I think he actually breaks someone else's spear and uses that instead. Oh, is that what he uses? Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, never mind. Look yeah. at me trying to fact check Jacob Boom. here. No. Boom. Wrote, like, there you go. <laughs> like, you're, you got me. No, that's true. You're right. He does yep. use a spear. Um, yeah, so the, the next thing we see is uh that uncle iroh is chilling uh playing some more games as he is wont to do and admiral zhao's uh boat rolls up and uh uncle iroh is convinced that he wants to play a game of pie show uh what what percent chance do you think that has zach zero point zero percent chance yeah. but speaking of iroh and his pie show it's funny because he's just fleecing these like random fire nation members while like zuko's huffing and puffing about Zhao boarding mm-hmm. the ship and did you notice these guys didn't even look like fire nation soldiers is iroh just playing this kitchen staff in pie show and just like yeah. taking all their money like what's he doing <laughs> yeah that that's what i thought i thought that these were like uh you know people that are like helping in like the boiler room or like the kitchen staff yeah like it the, he's not playing the firebenders i think the firebenders have already given up at this point and it's like these people they're part of the kitchen staff they probably can't be making too much money and iroh's just cleaning house he's basically <laughs> won the whole pot so it's like we, we've talked about how nice and kind iroh is but it's kind of scummy in a way from iroh here uh yeah yeah uh, I mean, so we can move on to the actual plot. So these Admiral Zhao's men board Zuko's, Zuko's ship, and they're basically like, no ships are allowed in or out of this area. And Zhao was, at this point, way higher rank than Zuko. And Zuko has no authority, so you can tell that's really grating on him here. Yeah. Uh, as soon as that command gets uh, down, it's just like, okay, well, I guess I can't really do anything. And uh, yeah, he's kind of just at the whims of whatever Admiral Zhao is deciding. Yeah, exactly. I agree with all of that. Anything else you want to get into in this seat? Uh, no, I don't think there's there's too much here. Um, I, th- I, th- next- I think it's... In the opening to the next scene, did you notice this, like, survivor-esque horn that starts off the scene? It was, like, some ancient voices. I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know if we have too many... I mean, probably a lot of our listeners watch Survivor as well, but did you notice this? Yeah, no, I, I did notice this. I did think it was pretty funny to hear, like... Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was wanting to hear next, but to no luck. Uh, yeah, I, I also thought that Zach. Uh, I thought. Okay, that, cool. I thought We're this the whole same. Scene boat. actually was pretty funny. These two people who are in the the Tony Spy Shack, and uh, yeah, I thought this was this was a great scene in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, because they they're like. Oh, that's just Fire Nation, Fire Lord propaganda that the Avatar can run like the winds and cause yeah. tornadoes. And then we see Aang coming in his oh, his Roadrunner glory, just sprinting <laughs> past them and causing a mini tornado that like basically destroys their little spy shack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the spy shack. Yeah. So I thought like maybe they're going to like get blown out. But no, this entire shack is just gone. Uh, so he really can run pretty quick. Uh, they get their entire hut blown down in one in one quick move. Yeah, Aang's non-violent, of course, but him just, he's so powerful, because him just, like you said, him sprinting past this shack was enough to destroy it, and he wasn't yeah. even actively attempting to do that. 
Yeah. So then uh, the next scene we get is very relatable. We have Sokka, who's sick, uh, just wanting some water. And this is how I feel. Whenever I'm sick, I get miserable. Uh, I'm probably terrible to be around because I am just so pathetic, can't take care of myself. Uh, and Katara, also sick, is not able to go get the water for Sokka. So instead, she tells Momo to go get it for her. And there ensues uh, a great little a great little joke that we get. We get a few running jokes here with Momo collecting random gadgets from around the, the place that they are. Yeah, they also show Katara asking um, for the water from Momo's point of view. And I honestly, I thought Momo actually, in the earlier episodes, I thought he could understand some words and commands because I feel like Aang tells him to do stuff and he obliges. But yeah. as we see here, Katara, like, what Momo can't understand a single thing she's saying. It just looks like gibberish to her, or to him. Katara just like, it's like some Charlie Brown's teacher stuff, essentially. It's also all green. Like, all of the eyesight that Momo has is like green and weird, uh, which like was a little disorienting, but I thought it was it was funny. This is a good gag that they have through the episode. I agree. Is, and maybe maybe that's a thing with lemurs that they just see green. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the best on lemur uh, stuff. We need biology majors on every episode. But yeah, true. I didn't watch enough Zaboomafu growing up. That yeah, would have no. came in handy. Uh, too bad. Uh, yeah, but I think this is this is a funny gag, and it's nice to have like nice funny jokes uh, from the other members of our cast while we get really an Aang and Zuko centric episode. Yeah, that's true. And I, to your point about like being miserable when you're sick, it must suck for Katara especially because she's mm-hmm. sick, but she's not delirious like Sokka. So Sokka's just like in a happy state of delirium in a way, <laughs> whereas Katara's just like sad, sick, and miserable and yeah. trying to get both of them water because she's the only one yeah. with her wits about her. So I can also relate to that. So yeah. Aang in this next scene, he sprints to this old lady herbalist shop. And she seems to be taking her sweet time getting to Aang. So what did you think of this herbalist lady and her cat, Miyuki? I actually wrote down the name of the weird-looking cat. Yeah, so this old woman is uh, a little bit off her rocker. Uh, So, by the way, she's totally isolated. So, like, no one else is around. Uh, and she kind of seems like she's in this town by herself. She claims that other like earthbenders come to try to get better, but I'm not sure that she's been just isolated for weeks at this point. So yeah, she's, uh, you know, trying to feed her cat Miyuki. She's going around, uh, walking around, trying to find the stuff. And as soon as, uh, Aang's like, Oh, I found exactly what, uh, I need. She's like, No, this is Miyuki's dinner. So she just does not have her priority straight. I mean, we have two people sick and instead she's trying to feed her cat. Uh, ultimately, I thought this character either could have been in more of an episode, like we could have gotten a whole episode dealing with this crazy woman and maybe we flesh her out a little bit more, or he could have gotten captured beforehand because I didn't really see much of a reason to have this small introduction. Uh, what no, do you think, wh- Zach? 100%. And I guess maybe I'm a little fatigued because this is our third straight episode with a crazy old person because <laughs> we had the old tour guide in the Great Divide yeah. and we had the old fisherman and his wife in the last episode episode the storm so yeah i agree with you and i guess maybe i just wanted to get to the escape sequence that i know was coming is coming so i was like ah i kind of wanted to yada yada this herbalist scene when i was watching it in the moment and ang must he feels kind of similarly too (laughs) he just wants to get out of there and get the medicine while she's feeding her cat these plum blossoms 
Yeah, that, that totally makes sense to me. Uh, you're feeling a little geriatric out. Uh, we see a lot of old people throughout the, throughout this series. And it does seem like sometimes we get an old person who's like a bit crazy for no reason. Next week's episode is the fortune teller and, uh, Spoiler alert, another old crazy person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in the middle of this scene, I guess we briefly, we cut to Zuko. He's lament, like this is in the middle of this herbalist stuff. He's like lamenting the fact that Zhao's going to capture the avatar with him mm-hmm. or, or before him. And he's uh, talking about this with Iroh. Yeah, and I think it's funny, Uncle Iroh's worried about Zuko because he hasn't given an order in over an hour. Uh, I feel like that's a great telltale sign that something is wrong with Zuko. Uh, I was wondering, Zach, if uh, if something was wrong with you, what would be the best way to tell? Um, I'd probably say it honestly. <laughs> okay. I'm a, like I'm the type of person like if something's really wrong with me, I'll probably complain or like make a note of it. Like I'll make it known. Basically, I'm not like Zuko. I won't huff and puff and keep it internal. Like if That's something's good. wrong, you'll know. What about you? What's your easy tell, Jacob? Yeah, you you seem pretty mature. Uh, I would say my easy tell is that I start listening to music uh, like by myself. Like even if I was in a group, I would just like put in an AirPod, and not talk to anyone else. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. A little, little more passive aggressive than you. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe I'll start doing that. Honestly, usually, you know what? I'll just have like a deep sigh. If like something's mm. really annoying me, like you'll tell me like, and then you'll know. All right. But I'm um, yeah. that on the podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure I watch out. No, no, no. We're always having fun <laughs> on Aang in there. No need to worry about that. So we'll continue here. So we go back to Aang and this herbalist. She explains to him he doesn't need anything that she has. All he needs is these frozen frogs from the swamp. And what Aang has to do is collect them and give them Katara Sokka. They have to suck on them. And the po- I guess poison they sec- or the fluid they secrete will cure their fevers. Now, Jacob, my question to you is if you had a horrible fever and what you had to do is suck on a frog that's alive but frozen would you do it uh i think i'd take my chances with the fever uh i would not <laughs> want to put a frozen frog in my mouth Ugh, gross uh especially because they unfreeze while they're in your mouth and exactly that's, but that, so that's, that's so my slimy. issue with that's my issue with it i actually wouldn't mind if the frog was alive or no, the frog was dead because then it's like, whatever, it's frozen and you're just sucking on it, whatever. But the fact that it's like alive and can wriggle out of your mouth, like, ah, that's too much. I'm in the same boat as you. I'd rather just take my chances with the fever here. Yep, I uh, I totally agree with you here. And uh, just as Aang starts to leave, he's ambushed by the Yuyan archers. And these people are intimidating. Uh, you know, Aang can airbend, which means that he should be able to get out of the way of most of these arrows. But as we see, these people are pretty persistent and they, they keep it coming. Um, yeah, it's it a- pretty hard. Yeah, it's a relentless attack from these Yuya and archers. And you're right, he gets ambushed right away. And then I don't know if we've heard the music in this scene before, but I guess this is what made the archers even more hyped. The music was just crazy and hectic yeah, as this whole yeah. thing's going on. And I feel like I haven't heard this track in any action sequence prior. So I was like, oh, wow, I was getting hype when these archers were chasing down Aang. And Aang does a good job, honestly, avoiding them here. Yeah. But one thing I have a question for you is like, so Aang, right when they shoot the arrows at him, he basically uses like this air sphere shield and is able to deflect a bunch of arrows like mm-hmm. that. And he does that right away in the opening of the sequence. My question is, why doesn't he continue doing that? Because he actually doesn't utilize his air bending too much here. He's just basically avoiding the arrows just with his like natural dexterity and like nimbleness. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we see Aang like running through the trees and he's bobbing and weaving through the mountainside uh, until he gets to the swamp instead of what I thought would be the better strategy, which is use the air to send the arrows away. And I think that mainly that the reason is because Aang is trying to get to the swamp. And so if he is just constantly fending off the arrows, he's not going to be able to get the frozen frogs. So I think he should have, you know, learned some uh, time management, learned some better skills, deal with a a uh, problem that's immediate first, like defeat the archers, get get rid of them, and then go get the frogs. Because he's trying to do two things at once, and I think that's why he gets caught. No, yeah, you know what? You're right. Because he actually, while he's getting away from the archers, he literally goes back to the swamp and starts collecting the frogs. So yeah. I think you're 100% right. Sadly, Aang is not the best multitasker, and he actually gets captured. I feel like this is the yeah. first time we see Aang, like, by himself get captured. Because usually it's like the whole group will get captured by him the, together, but now it's yeah. just Aang. Yeah, Aang by himself gets captured. And uh, I wanted to point out here that this water is just nasty. So first off, the water is so cold that things below it freeze at the bottom, which means like it has to be like there has to be so much stuff on top, like mud and stuff that uh, mm-hmm. that it's able to get that cold. And then it's so thick that Aang is not able to move like he's going at a glacial pace. Like it seemed like he was back in the iceberg. He was moving so slowly. Yeah, I mean, it is a swamp, so, but it's weird. It's like this, like, cold, frozen swamp. That's the weird part about it. Like, so, yeah, I agree with you. It looks gross, cold, disgusting. (laughs) Basically, it looks like the average Vancouver pond. Ooh, nasty, nasty. (laughs) That's uh, not a good sight. Uh, The next question I had uh, is, how many arrows would you have thought would it take through to get, uh, to get through solid ice? Uh, more than whatever it took that yeah. whatever they used because what is it three arrows that breaks the ice here it took it took them four arrows to break through solid yeah, ice yeah. i would have said maybe 20 20 arrows like uh through like some solid like maybe six inches of ice yeah 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 these arrows whatever they're shooting is pretty powerful they're able to incapacitate zuko later with one shot from 50 yards away or something so yeah nah it's crazy like these yuyan archers not only are they extremely powerful themselves but whatever they're using for their arrows <laughs> whatever material they got there they they're just destroying everything with it exactly because you're right exactly. They, you're right these arrows should not be anywhere near as powerful as they end up being yeah yeah, but uh, so, they they end up just essentially wrecking uh, wrecking Aang, and they get him in a net. And as soon as he's in a net, uh, he's in trouble. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then so we'll move on back to this next seat. So it's we're back with Katara and Sokka here, and Sokka's still delirious doing his thing. Katara's like, oh, Momo comes back, and Katara's like, oh, do you have any water? But Momo brings Katara a dead rat. And if you're Katara here, this must be so disappointing. Like, <laughs> you don't have any water. And it also, it's revealed, like, there's a bunch of, like, vases and, like, bowls strewn about, too. Yep. So Momo's been at it for a while, and he still hasn't brought any water back. Yeah, the the dead rat is not great. Uh, you know, if uh, Momo had happened to bring a frozen frog, uh, then Momo's clearly the MVP of this episode. Uh, but instead, Momo brings back a dead rat. No one wants a dead rat. No one's going to be sucking on that. That's true, because a frog, like, not that not that I've ever even had frog, but frogs are edible. Like, you could cook it over a fire and, like, maybe get some nu- nutrients out of it. Whereas a rat, which is also edible, it's also just disgusting. Like, nobody wants to eat yeah. roadkill rat. Whereas a frog, I don't know, maybe you could make a nice, like, French cuisine dish <laughs> there. Have some frozen swamp frog legs. Yep, yep. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we can move on here. So Aang's captured. He's in like this Fire Nation fortress chained up. And then we have like, I like this formal introduction they have for the blue spirit where it's like the camera pens closer and closer onto his face three times on beat with like this traditional Asian music. So I, I, I kind of enjoyed the opening sequence to like yeah. this blue spirit escape. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I think that, uh, yeah, this this was like a nice scene. I think that it's uh it was a nice introduction uh both for Aang and Admiral Zhao to meet, but also of the Blue Spirit. Admiral Zhao when he enters the room with Aang was kind of rude. Like he was just like how does it feel to be the only airbender left? And like man, add insult to injury. Yeah, I don't I yeah, I don't know how he like why he does this even. There's no reason for this to. It's like how we talked about a couple of episodes with like the warden why he was just mm-hmm. provoking these people for no reason. It's the same with Jeff. Jeff had no reason to come in and basically just gloat to Ag and be yeah. like I killed all your people and now you're going to tor- I'm going to torture you too. Like yeah. I guess Jeff is just a sadistic antagonist. Yeah, I actually wanted to stop on this for a second and ask you a question. So, Admiral Zhao says that they have to keep Aang alive so he's not reborn into the Water Tribe. But why don't they kill Aang? They know that Sozin's Comet is coming this summer, and the Fire Nation can just take over the Water Nation, and the Avatar will be reborn as a waterbender baby. So, wouldn't it be better to have a literal, like, six-month-old baby to fight rather than, like, a 14-year-old kid? Yeah, that's true. I see. This is why you're really good at like thinking of these inconsistencies. I didn't even think of that, but you are correct. I guess though to play devil's advocate here, because I do agree with you. But what if maybe they assume that they, they they don't know that they won't be able to know who the Water Tribe Avatar is? Like, what if the Water Tribe just conceals the Avatar from them? I guess they could just genocide the whole Water Tribe in a way. But yeah. now, at least with Aang, it's like he's a known quantity. He's just a child. He doesn't even have control of any of the elements he's only 12 so they can just keep him locked up here and be fine so i guess that's the reasoning they're using but i think you are correct like it's much it would be much better for them to have a six month old water bending baby yeah i mean and i'll take it you know i'd be really sad if ang died here uh it would kind of ruin the series for me <laughs> so <laughs> well i mean the series would just be over pretty much yeah, Zhao, be Zhao a- wins becomes a protagonist <laughs> Exactly. It'd be a quick, it'd be a quick series. Uh, so I guess it's good here. But yeah, the, the next thing we see is, uh, as you said, the blue masked, uh, the blue spirit, uh, going in and we see this lizard rhino that's acting as a horse. Uh, and I have to say this lizard rhino is way more intimidating than any horse would be. Uh, yeah. I think that everyone should be using lizard rhinos to get around. We see them a lot, actually, these lizard rhinos with the Fire Nation, because every time there's Fire Nation soldiers traveling on an animal, it's usually on these lizard rhinos. And you're right, they're like pitch black, horrifying looking. Because imagine a rhino with the body of the lizard in real life, that'd be one of those like scary abominations of an animal to ever exist. Yeah, because it has that menacing tail, which I know it can do like some nice tail whips on. And I just think that like, yeah, this is way better than a horse, uh... I, I really wish that this was a real animal because I would love to like, could you imagine like, I know there's like the stereotype about horse girls. Could you imagine lizard rhino girls? <laughs> that would be horrible. I have a feeling though, girls wouldn't be as infatuated with lizard rhinos as they are with horses. Oh, no. But maybe they'd, I could, be- they'd be obsessed. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> In sweet nation. Next viral trend. 
Yeah, so I mean, there's not much to glean from this Blue Spirit stuff at this moment in time <laughs> yeah. because it's just Zuko. He's sneaking on this carriage, and he does a cool job because he's on the bottom of this carriage that's bringing supplies to this fortress. And then the Fire Nation soldiers look at the bottom, but by the time they look at that, he's already crawled into the back of the carriage, and he makes his way into this fortress. Yeah, very sneaky. Uh, I was very impressed. Yeah, me too. And I have a question. When did Zuko learn all this, like, stealth and this, like, saber-wielding? Like, did they just teach him and Azula all of this from a young age? Because I feel like when you're royalty, you're not usually as adept at fighting as you're, like, soldiers. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of yeah. surprised how, go- how powerful Zuko and Azula are considering the fact that they're royalty. No, I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, it seems like Zuko is still yet to master his, uh, you know, basic firebending forms, but his sneak level is 99. I mean, if he was in Skyrim, he could steal anything from anyone's pocket at this point. Yeah, no, facts, 100%. And then yeah. I guess well, the next scene, correct me if I'm wrong, it was Zhao giving this speech, oh, yeah. right? Oh, and this speech, I, I love it. So Zhao is giving a speech to these Fire Nation, Fire Nation soldiers, and he's uh, like up on a big podium overlooking like battalions of these soldiers. And essentially, he's got three points to his platform. And I, I think it's a pretty good platform. Uh, so uh, the, the points that I had is that he wants to keep the Avatar as a pet, uh, he wants to be the best element, and he wants to burn Bossing Say to the ground using Zozin's Comet. And this is a pretty good platform. I think in the Fire Nation primary, if that were a thing and it wasn't, uh, you know, a uh, a kingdom, then I think that Zhao is making a pretty good bid to be the Fire Nation leader. Yeah, 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 because you could tell Bossing Say is a sore spot for a lot of these Fire Nation mm-hmm. people, especially with um, Iroh's failed siege at there many moons ago. And then, yeah, Zhao gives this rousing speech to these soldiers. Very reminiscent, like, there are parallels with the Nazis and the Fire Nation. I feel like this scene in particular was the most Nazi-esque. You have, like, Zhao just espousing this, like, propaganda, basically. Or I guess, I mean, it's all true stuff. That's what he does want to do, so it's not necessarily, he's not lying to yeah. these people, but it's still, these were the, that was the vibes I got from it. Kind of like Hitler just giving a rousing speech, and, like, instead we got Zhao here. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally can see that uh, Zhao here is like letting out his evil side. I think he's really he's making a bid to be a pretty good antagonist right now. No, definitely, and I think this is a good Zhao showcase episode. To be honest, even like even though the Avatar does end up escaping, you really get a sense of Zhao's like actual st- military strategic acumen, as we'll see later on. Because I feel yeah. like prior to this, Zhao's kind of like dumb in a way almost like we don't see him really do anything super antagonist worthy or like anything very intelligent that like where i'm accustomed to seeing antagonists do in media but this yeah. is a good episode for him and then while he's giving this speech the mass assailant which we'll later soon learn is zuko is crawling through the sewers that's what he's doing here yep uh pretty pretty good sneaking around there yeah. Um, and then he, he gets to right in front of Aang's chambers in this next scene and he beats up these Fire Nation soldiers and it's funny, it's like this scene was almost reminiscent of like a cheesy 80s action movie <laughs> where like yeah. they go to check on the noise one at a time and then each of them gets like beaten up off screen here. Yep, uh, and as we're seeing this, the frogs that Aang has are starting to unfreeze and come out from under the door, which I think is another funny, funny thing. The last soldier that uh, the Blue Spirit takes down he stops the fire that the guard sends at him with a bucket of water that he carries on him. And I got to say, we've made a lot of jokes about Katara having a fish in her pocket. 
But Zuko has a full bucket of water, which makes way less sense than a fish. Did he have the bucket of water with him or was it just there? Like, was oh. it just in front of the entrance? I, I think I watched this like two or three, maybe maybe four or five, like I, a count of very many times. I could not see a bucket of water come from anywhere else except from like his back pocket, essentially. <laughs> and, and That's just, a pretty big sense. back pocket. No, I believe you. I watched the episode twice, but I didn't like really look into it very closely. So I believe you, but that's just pretty fun. And also, yeah. like to go back a little bit, when he had, so he hangs one of the Fire Nation members off from the ceiling, and he's almost like perched on the ceiling, like Spider Man esque. And then he pulls <laughs> up another one to the ceiling with like a wire or something. And it was like really like Zuko just going full Spider Man here, displaying yeah. this like Peter Parker dexterity. And he doesn't even have any like sp- like Spider Man superpower. So yeah, it seems like Aang should be the one with a Spidey sense if that's uh, anyone. But yeah, Zuko here is uh, making quick work of these bad guys. Yeah, and we really get a sense like Zuko. This episode is a powerhouse. Honestly, even during their escape, I feel like Zuko's just like in a crowd of people with spears, just fighting everybody yeah, while Aang's yeah. doing. Like, like Zuko's the one who's like tanking all the attacks. And he's yeah. 14. That's the crazy part. He's 14, <laughs> just destroying all these soldiers. Like, when I was 14, I could barely, like, do it. Like, you always said, do homework or do anything. Exactly. <laughs> and this man's, like, launching this one-man escape party and saving the Avatar here. Yeah, and we see, uh, next, we see that the Blue Spirit successfully frees Aang and lets him go. And Aang is a little bit apprehensive at first. Uh, good thing it's not Sokka. Sokka would be like, you're a Fire Nation spy for sure. Uh, but, you know, Aang is a little bit more uh, willing to go along with it. But Aang's still really stuck on these frogs. He's saying that, oh, my friends need to suck on those frogs. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you could tell, like, Aang really cares about Katara and Sokka here because that's how much he's concerned with these frogs. One thing I found funny in this scene, it's like Zuko, before he slices Aang's chains, he does this very performative demonstration with his sabers. Yeah, yeah. Then Aang assumes he's going to cut him and then it, like, goes into commercial break. What was the point of this performance? Like, there was no reason to do this. Like, Zuko just comes in the room and just does this, like, contemporary performance for no reason. He could have just sliced the chains and moved on here. So. You know, maybe, maybe it's a uh, force of habit. He's sees the avatar he's like oh time to take this guy down and he's like wait no 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 (laughs) not this episode every other episode for a while but not this one uh yeah and yeah okay yeah zuko yanks him away from his frogs and then we move on to like team avatar in the next scene yeah so the next thing that we get is momo who has brought back essentially every single thing you would find in a small town we have uh some jewelry we've got some vases we have some uh, like, I think I even sh- saw, like, maybe a chandelier or something. Uh, and Momo's got to be the best shoplifter around. I'm shocked that they ever go hungry and they ever run out of mo- uh, money with Momo around. Yeah, but they could sell all this stuff, too, because Katara's got, like, that schnazzy crown on her head here. Yep. It looks pretty nice, honestly. Even, yeah. like... Sokka's calling her royalty here. And if I was Katara, though, honestly, even if I had a fever, I would just go searching for water myself at this point. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. Momo, obviously, he does not know what she's saying. He's brought back, like, what looks like more than a hundred knickknacks here. Exactly. And, like, for me, I feel like if I had a fever, I'd just be like, ah, screw this. I gotta do it myself. That's usually yeah. what I'm like when I'm sick. I'll just, like, mope for, like, hours and then I'll be like, okay, I gotta go get myself food, get myself water, and, like, get myself better here. Yeah, and this seems kind of uncharacteristic for Katara. Usually she would just take it into her hands and, like, you know, do things correctly herself, but... No, I mean, yeah. 
It's fair because she's exhausted. She has a fever. So I understand why she doesn't do it. But it's just like MoMA at this point. Yeah. <laughs> He's not helping at all. Yeah. So then that's just a quick little joke there. Sokka says, oh, my queen or something like that. Because Katara's got the crown on her head. That was that was pretty funny as well. Yeah. And if looks um, could kill, Sokka would be dead here because Katara <laughs> just gives him like a very like mean glare. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is that is very accurate. Uh, the next thing we see is we cut back to the blue spirit and Aang running around. And then we see Zhao uh, looking in uh, Aang's quarters. He's telling the like scribe, essentially, to, to write down to Fire Lord Ozai's speech and get a bunch of good confessionals from everyone else saying how good he was. And uh, instead of Aang, as he expects, he sees a frog in his place. And I was surprised we didn't get a joke here that someone thought that Aang turned into a frog. Like, oh my gosh, the Avatar can turn into a frog or something like that. Yeah, we could have got that here. It's funny you said scribe because I literally had that exact term in my notes and I had to Google what scribe meant to make sure I was using it correctly. <laughs> which was, so that's pretty funny. And then also with Zhao giving this, he was telling this advisor to like send the Fire Lord these glowing testimonials here. Yeah, I felt like this was basically the Fire Nation equivalent of like if you're a restaurateur giving yourself good reviews on Yelp. Yeah. That's what I thought. Which Five stars funny. on Yelp. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like that's what I did for this podcast. It was those 26 accounts that gave us five-star reviews those were all mine well just 26 bot accounts it was only 25 of yours because i did the same thing myself so it cannot (laughs) have been 26 25 at most (laughs) yeah so we can continue i mean yeah he fight like ang is already long gone he sees just a frog and Zhao. he this is not the last time he's gonna be just seeing these frogs and being enraged at the sight of one so yeah yep yeah, so then we get uh, a pretty cool escape sequence. So we see Aang and the Blue Spirit uh, trying to escape, but again, we get a nice little horn that alerts the Fire Nation that uh, they've that they have escaped. And instead of fighting a bunch of firebenders, we see a bunch of spearmen and swordsmen, which I think is a nice change of pace because we get some cool fighting between uh, Zuko and Aang, and then the spearmen and swordsmen of the Fire Nation. I agree with you. And like this, this was around like 10 minutes in the episode. It was a 10 minute mark. This uh, escape sequence is basically the rest of the episode. So from here on out, we're going to have nonstop action. But one thing I found so odd is like, what's the point of these people with spears? Like, I feel like spear, a spear is such a useless weapon in this instant. Like, if you're having a, like, if it's an army versus army battle, then I can understand the usefulness of a spear and like a squad quadrant or whatever. That's fine. But I just feel like these are the Yuya and Archers, extremely useful like those guys oh, they're sure. they're great but these spearmen like <laughs> zuko basically like one verse tw- like <laughs> one verse 20 and he's like destroys all these dudes with spears i feel like yeah i actually i wanted to point that out so there's one moment where there are so many people all around zuko and instead of attacking him one at a time um instead they all attack him or sorry instead of attacking him all at once they all attack him one at a time like they're characters in a video game and they sort of wait so that zuko's always able to fight off all of the rest of them and i felt like this was a giant error they should have all attacked him all at once no 100 percent. i thought the same thing and we can we can get into it because that's like pretty much this next scene it's like he's surrounded by what looks like six spear wielding fire nation soldiers while, while ang runs on ahead and then yeah zuko just easily just like slices their spears and stuff 
no yep. question. If this was a video game, these guys would be like level one grunts and Zuko's <laughs> already like grinded up to the max stats. He's just level 100 here, yeah, destroying I, these little dudes with spears. This is what happens when you're like a level one uh, or when you like instead of going to like the main mission, you do like all the side missions first. So you're way more powerful than they expect you to be in a video game. So by the time you're like fighting the first like major fight, you're just wrecking everyone. That's how it felt yeah. to me. Exactly. And then while Zuko's doing that, Aang runs on ahead, but he gets attacked from behind by a man with a spear. And I really like what the animators did here. They basically were able to simulate a camera doing a full 360 Mm -hmm. and they show Aang narrowly avoiding the spear. And while he's avoiding the spear, he shoots like a blast with his leg at this man with the spear. And I thought I really liked that. It was like almost like the Matrix here. Yeah. And this is this is where Aang uh, breaks the spear in half. And now he has sort of a staff to airbend with. Mm -hmm. And I think it's pretty cool that he does this it's like a nice move to be able to uh you know buff his uh airbending no you're right and then so ang what ang does and i really like ang and zuko as a tandem like they've never even interacted but they're a really good team throughout this whole escape mm-hmm. sequence they cover each other really well because ang airbends zuko to the top of this gate and then flies over him and jumps on his so- shoulders and is able to actually start flying with this broken spear. He starts spinning it like yeah. a helicopter propeller. He's able to fly with Zuka. I didn't even know Aang could generate flight like this. Yeah, <laughs> me either. It's uh, yeah. pretty impressive from like, I know he can with his glider, but to do it from just like a random piece of wood is pretty Pretty impressive. And then the next thing is that they get these giant uh, pole-looking things so that they can, like, scale up the wall. And uh, as as the firebenders or Fire Nation soldiers are trying to go up, Aang's just throwing them down with the airbending. And instead of uh, letting more people come up, he takes them and they sort of pole vault their way to the next turret. Uh, did you think this was, like, a clever move, Zach? Very much. And I literally had them pole vaulting over to this next <laughs> in my notes. So we're in the same boat here. But man, Perfect. these fire, na- like these soldiers using these like bamboo ladders is what it looked like. They really mm, worked yeah. against them because Zuko and Egg just like stand at the top of this gate and just like essentially like kick them all off and then use these bamboo ladders. So completely worked against them here. Like they do, yeah. the fire nation soldiers who brought them got no benefit from them whatsoever. <laughs> Exactly. They bring a spear, uh, Aang turns it into a way to fly. They bring a bamboo ladder, Aang uses it to pole vault. Uh, they're really way far behind. Yeah, I mean, they're they're very close to getting away with this pole vaulting strategy, but they fall just short, and they barely miss grabbing them onto, grabbing onto this ledge. And yep. they end up getting surrounded by these Fire Nation soldiers. Zhao tells them to hold fire. And what was crazy to me, this is actually insane. This is the first time we see anybody firebend in this whole brawl. Mm-hmm. Until, um, uh, the, I guess, the one guy sets the bamboo ladder on fire. The last one, he said that he sets yep. their last bamboo ladder on fire. But why was nobody firebending prior to this? You'd think in an army of Fire Nation soldiers, you'd have more people firebending rather than using these, like, rinky-dink spears. That's kind of what I found odd. Yeah, it, it did seem like there are not many firebenders here. Maybe it's because, maybe that's why the colonel at the beginning of the episode wanted to keep the Yuyan archers, is because they really just were a bunch of spearmen and swords. And I think like if an earthbender uh, battalion attacked, then they don't really have the firepower to fight back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. And then Zhao comes in and he says like, oh, the Avatar must be captured alive. And Zuko, very astute and very quickly, as soon as he hears this, he puts two sabers, his two sabers to Aang's throat. Like literally, like right when the words come out of Zhao's mouth, he puts Zuko response instantly. 
And and that was a uh, pretty brutal uh, for the blue spirit to turn on him that quickly, but a really smart move to get out of that uh, by Zuko. And uh, Zhao says that they have, they have to let him go. Uh, and that this is something, uh, he says something about like, uh, this is a job for someone with accuracy or something to that effect. No, he says, this is a situation, a situation like this requires precision. There there, go, he's, yeah. he's responding to one of his Fire Nation soldiers who was like, why'd you let them go? And that's his response. Yep. Yeah, and as soon as I heard that, I was like, uh oh, these archers are about to come back. And, uh, as soon as they get pretty far away, the blue, uh, the blue spirits, maybe, I don't know, would you say like 50 yards away? He's far. He honestly, he's pretty far away from yeah. where they are. Like, cause we've given Zhao crap earlier in the series for not being the great, a great strategist, but this is a really good plan, honestly. Yeah. He lets Zuko get a good distance away and he's like, he tells the archers, like, can you get a clear shot now? And the archer just, one hundred percent precision, just yeah. smack dab on Zuko's head, domes him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you literally know, hundred percent just domes him from so far away. And yeah. as this happens, so Angst recoils in horror because he removes, he sees Zuko incapacitated. He removes his mask, and because prior to this, Ang had no idea it was Zuko. And then it's when once he realizes, like, oh my gosh, Zuko was the person who's been saving him this during this instance. He mm-hmm. gets, he's shocked. And he almost sprints away, leaving Zuko behind. But at the yeah. last second, he decides to save Zuko. Yeah, and I think that's sweet that he he comes back for him. Ultimately, I think that, you know, we gave Zhao some credit. I think that Zhao made a mistake here by letting Aang and Zuko get so far away. Because it seems like if he's, like, within, you know, maybe 10 meters instead of, like, 50 meters, then he would have a better chance chance to capture him. But by the time that the Fire Nation people get out there, both Aang and Zuko are whisked away and Aang carries Zuko's body, uh, carries his body to safety. You're right. And I think one thing Zhao probably didn't realize is like just to the extent of how fast Aang is. Like, because Zuko's been battling Aang for so long, he might know that. But yeah. Aang is just like within an instant, he's able to get Zuko out of here. Yep. So the next scene we see is, it's really sweet. Uh, we see Zuko waking up and Aang is sitting there. And Aang, uh, you know, Zuko's a little out of it. So Aang takes that moment to have the nice reflection. Yeah, I actually clipped this speech because I felt like this was pretty powerful stuff from Aang. So I kind of wanted to just listen to him here. Let's see if I could get it open on StreamYard. Sorry, I'm kind of technologically handicapped in a way. So hey, let me no, see if I can pull it up. No worries. Uh Sounds good to me. But I think that uh, it's nice. We see that this is like the next morning uh, and Aang is sitting on a nice little tree. I did think that this was a weird uh, look for the trees. Like the trees look like um, kind of the swamp tree that we'll see later where every tree looks connected. Um, I thought that was like an interesting look there. Uh, Do you have? Yeah, no, uh, I I, I agree. And I I found this interesting. So Aang waited with Zuko. So essentially the whole night. Yeah. So I, f- I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. He does wait there a little bit. He doesn't like leave him immediately, which is kind of what I would do. You know, uh, he, he is trying to capture you after all. I'd get out of there. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start playing it. Let me know if you're able to hear all this. All right. Perfect. You know what the worst part about being born over a hundred years ago is? I miss all the friends I used to hang out with. Before the war started, I used to always visit my friend Kuzan. The two of us, we get in and out of so much trouble together. He was one of the best friends I ever had. And he was from the Fire Nation, just like you. If we knew each other back then, do you think we could have been friends too? And I thought this was great stuff from Aang, because you see, like, 
he's he has these idyllic this idyllic he remembers this idyllic time when he could play with his fire nation mates and when people weren't judged based on their bending class and yeah yeah this is something that ang mentions earlier uh whenever they're trying to convince him that there's been a hundred year war in the first few episodes ang's confused he's like no like i have friends in the fire nation like that can't be and here we see that he has the uh firebender friend named kuzan uh which will come up later and i think it's nice that ang is uh trying to make this connection to zuko and i think they would have been friends if he was born a hundred years ago I agree. And what will later, like in season three, they actually end up, they yeah. will become friends. And on the thing with Aang, unlike Sokka, Katara, Haru, Jet, and his freedom fighters, all these guys, their whole lives, they've been at war with the Fire Nation. Whereas Aang is different. He has memories of like when the Fire Nation was not as ruth, this ruthless entity trying to take over the world. And I think yep. that's why Aang is such a good avatar to have, even though he's, immature and only 12 years old he's one of the few avatar or the old the pretty much the only person in the world that can separate like the fire nation from just the evil that they commit essentially yeah yeah and i think that this is it's sweet that you know ang has this memory and uh yeah i think it's it's nice this is a good moment for ang that humanizes him a bit Exactly. Sadly, Zuko's still blinded by his need for his father's honor. And right after Aang finishes his speech, he instantly shoots a fire blast in his face. I like they kind of like slow it down a little bit. They have a little slow-mo here. Yep. Yeah, they do. And uh, Aang, you know, is disappears into the trees to not be seen again. The next thing we see is Zuko gets back on the ship and says he needs to go to bed. Uncle Iroh is disappointed because he says that you missed Song Night, where there was a lovely uh, that one of the people sung a lovely love song. I think that was fun. And then we yeah, also he, see. Sorry, go on. Continue. He also has this Ruby Monkey. Yep, the Ruby yep. Monkey from <laughs> was that what you were gonna say? Yeah, from a couple of episodes ago. The pirates. Yes, yes, yeah. which is funny. I didn't realize Iroh had made this purchase. Yeah, so, uh, or maybe he stole it. You know, maybe Uncle Iroh thinks it's okay to steal from pirates. We'll never know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this Ruby Monkey uh, is here again. I'm pretty sure it comes up again uh, another time as well. Yeah, so the, the episode then starts, like, it's pretty much closing here. Ang collects the frogs. It's, I found it funny how he just, like, pops them into Sokka and Katara's mouth. <laughs> yeah. Like, before they can even realize what they are. And Sokka's like, hmm, this is delicious. And then he, like, the frog starts wriggling out of his mouth and then he realizes what it is. Yeah, he's not he's not so on board with it as soon as it unfreezes and pops out of his mouth. Yeah, and then Katara, I think, asked him, she was like, oh, Ang, did you make any new friends? And then what does Ang say? He's like, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Aang's pretty tired too. So yeah, he just says, I don't think so. And probably tells him about the story a little bit more later. Yeah. And then the final shot of this episode, Zuko about to sleep in his chamber. He's staring at this fire nation, like post, I guess it's not necessarily a poster on his wall, but it's just this large fire nation insignia. Mm -hmm. And I guess he's presumably pondering what Aang just said to him earlier. Yeah. And that's that. That's the episode. So overall, I really enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun. I think it just started, like, the Herbalist stuff I did not care for. I felt like they could have just had, like, they could have just had a scroll where it was like, oh, these frogs cure fevers. And then just had Aang searching for the frogs. Like, yep. They didn't necessarily need that scene. So that kind of, like, bogged down the episode for me. But once we get into this escape sequence and seeing Zuko and Aang just destroy all these Fire Nation soldiers, like, even if it was a little one-sided, I thought mm -hmm. the whole scene was very innovative in their fight so i enjoyed it a lot what about you jacob 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Uh, I think this is a pretty good episode. Um, you know, I like, I really do think that this episode right after the, uh, last week's is, is a good, uh, sequence. We get the backstory of Zuko, essentially why he's so intent on capturing the avatar. And then we get some nice character development. We see another side of Zuko. We see that his stealth skill is 99. Um, and yeah, I think that it's a nice episode to have the Zuko and Aang story and then like, you know, nice little jokes from Momo along the way. But yeah, I, I think this is a good one. So, uh, yep. maybe we can get into our episode rankings. We can, uh, rank this, this episode and see where it fits among the rest of the ones that we have. Yeah. 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 I'm down. Would you, would you have your rank in open right now or do you, do you know what you're going to rank it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just as a brief reminder, we rank the episodes from zero to four cabbages. Uh, we take my score, Zach's score and the listener's score. We average them up to get the official Aang in their score. So my score this week for this episode is a 3.6. I think this is a good one. Uh, I think it's like, you know, this is an A in my book uh, for an episode. I think this is an episode where we get a cool escape sequence. We get the blue spirit, which is a nice touch. And then I think we get some touching moments between Aang and Zuko. So I'm pretty high on this one. What about you, Zach? I was a little bit lower, but not by much. I had it a 3.4 out of 4. That's what okay. I, yeah. I, th- I think if there, there's a l- couple of things that I didn't necessarily love, but overall, I like the Zuko development, which is always nice. Zuko's, a, it's a stark contrast, him in this episode from even him in episode one, talking about his honor and all that stuff. So yeah. I agree with you. I, en- I enjoyed this episode a lot. Well, you are right where the listeners are. Uh, the listeners are at a 3.41. So I guess, uh, you know, they, they're just, just a touch above you, but that leaves this episode at a 3.47. And I think this is, uh, yeah, one of the better episodes we've had this season. Um, and I, I'm pretty excited about where Avatar goes from here. Yeah, me too. Me too. And like I said, this is the episode that really sucked me in when I was watching Avatar in the real time. Yep. Uh, and then Zach, I think that we can rank the battle, uh, maybe just the entire ending sequence as one long battle. Um, does that sound fair? Yeah, that sounds very fair to me. Yeah. So, uh, where do you have this battle, Zach? I'm pretty high on it. I'll give it a 3.8 out of four. And I think what the only reason, the only reason I hold it back from being a four is just because there was not much opposition presented from the Fire Nation Sword. Besides yeah. the Yuyan Archer that's able to dome Zuko from like <laughs> so far away. Yeah. Yeah, I have this uh, fight at a 3.7. Uh, I think, again, lots of good stuff going on here. I would have liked to see a little bit more bending, maybe some firebenders that Zuko can, uh, you know, jump around uh, a bit more. But ultimately, I think this is a good uh, a good escape sequence, which is nice because it does take most of the episode. Uh, so it is nice that we have a good escape sequence. And yeah, at the end of the day, I was pretty happy with what we got. Yeah, makes sense. And we're kind of just almost exact same scores here. You're at a 3.8. Yeah. I'm at a 3.7. And yeah, so th- then you want to get into our feedback like we always do. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into the listener feedback. So as always, you can write in to avatar at poshowrecaps.com or tweet at us at poshowrecaps. Um, this week, we had a few questions. Uh, Arjun wrote in and asked, do, you, uh, do any of you have experience with any type of martial arts? Uh, Zach, uh, did you ever do martial arts as a kid or what would you have wanted to do? 
I did karate for like two years, and it was pretty dumb in my opinion. It was most like useless, unapplicable martial art ever. Because we, I remember we would spar, and I use I quotations here, air quotations, because it would just like you would punch, and your punch would like be two feet in front of your like opponent's face, and that would count as a point. And it was so stupid to me. And there was this one kid who was so arrogant in my karate class. Yeah. He's like, dude, this isn't even fighting. Like we're just like we're just like. Punching in each other in front of each other's faces, so oh, I thought man. it was pretty. I, I I really enjoy martial arts. I really have a lot of respect. I enjoy. I watch a lot of UFC, and I kind of wish I took jujitsu as a child because I feel like that's one of the more applicable martial arts. But nah, I just did karate for a couple of years, and that was it. What about okay. yourself? Yeah, I did taekwondo for a while. Uh, I did it when I was kind of young. I think I started when I was like maybe eleven. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't doing anything too fancy, but I have many broken boards in my day. Uh, you know, some fun stuff. I would not say I'm a master. My sneak level is not 99 like Zuko. Uh, I'd say maybe yeah. it's like a seven. Uh, Mine's like a zero. I'll just yeah. straight up say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely you and I are probably not the, the best to free the avatar if that's what it came to. No, no, no. I'm a lover, not a fighter. That's what I tell yeah. people. Totally fair. I'm right there with you. Uh, cool. And then we have Lydia's question. Uh, Lydia wondered uh, about the Admiral Zhao speech. She wrote in, asked, uh, just wondering what percent of training time the Fire Nation dedicates to coordinating their cheering? Do they also practice an angry reaction, a somber one? What is the most elaborate situation for which they have a synchronized reaction planned? Yeah, so Lydia, I guess Lydia is implying here that their reaction to Zhao's speech was not genuine in a way. Uh, I think so. What she was saying is that uh, as soon as they started cheering, it was very much in sync. Uh, everyone was cheering at the same time. It sounded very rehearsed as if they had all said like, okay, one, two, three, do the happy reaction. Like, that's what it sounded <laughs> like to me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, wow, this is a really, like, I, I did not really pay too much attention to their coordinated <laughs> reaction, to be honest. Okay. So, I don't know if I have a, what is your answer to Lydia's question here? Well, see, I was thinking that the Fire Nation had a few flash mobs prepared uh, in case they tried to impress anyone. So, maybe, like, um, you know, if Admiral Zhao is not that important, they're just doing their, you know, boring cheering. Maybe a Fire Lord Ozai came and gave a speech that they would just break out into song and dance. That That's what I was thinking. Like, high school musical esque uh, music number. No, I think you're right. It probably is some like hierarchical thing where the higher the higher rank the person giving the speech is, the more boisterous their reaction yeah. will be. And then uh, to answer her question, what percent of training time do they use to coordinate? I would say like 50% at least. I mean, uh, their military tactics are not great. Uh, pretty much everything they do actually helps the Avatar escape. So I would say they're spending a majority of their time coordinating this cheering. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, they're using 50% of the time coordinating cheering and like 10% of that time studying the way of the spear, apparently. Exactly. Because I don't yeah. think we ever see a good like spear wielding opposite, like opponent for the Avatar throughout yeah, this no. whole series. De definitely not. And maybe that's why the UN archers are so elite is that they were exempted from this training time to uh, do the cheering. They just got to do the archery and that's what made them so good. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, that's all the listener feedback we have. Yeah. This not week. not um, much listener feedback this week. You guys can always write in. Um at avatar at postshowrecaps.com. Feel free yeah. to leave us any feedback there. You can also give us a five-star review. 
at our feed, postshowrecaps.com slash ATLA. That's our, that'll be our custom feed. Yeah. And, yeah you, and also tweet at us all the time. And then I'm also in the Facebook uh, patron thread of Rob has a podcast. And yeah. Yeah, there you go. I think the last thing that we have is our uh, T quartet for uh, iCarly characters. Yes, that is the last thing we have. Sweet. And so, so uh, where did you want to start here? Because we were going to do Gibby, Carly, Sam, and Freddy. So you want to yep. start with uh, the car, uh, Gibby here? Uh, yeah, sure. We can start with Gibby. So I think Gibby is the airbender. Uh, I think very few people uh, that are not airbenders would ever, uh, you know, take their shirt off and just say, Gibby! Like, that, that seems very airbender to me. Uh, it kind of seemed uh, like... This was a Milo from Legend of Korra move. Uh, like, if he was a few years older, I feel like this is something he'd pull off. Uh, what do you think about that, Zach? Yeah, I agree with you completely. Gibby's just, out of all these people, by far exudes the most airbenderish qualities. Yeah. Even though he kind of is larger than the average earthbender, Gibby yeah. does have his moves, which are um, the butt of many jokes in the show. Yeah, I, I also thought that iCarly has a ton of airbenders uh, in the cast. So Spencer, I think, is clearly an airbender. Uh, I think Tebow, who's always selling the things on a stick, he's an airbender. <laughs> uh, I feel like iCarly is just full of these characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just like all these Nickelodeon shows, because yeah, I think I yeah. could even on Drake and Josh, I could name some airbenders, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so Gibby's the airbender. Easy. Uh, Sam, I think, is the next easiest one. Where do you have Sam, Zach? Yeah, I agree. Sam is 100%. Might even be more on the nose than Gibby here. Sam is 100% the firebender. 100%. I think she's, she's the one who's like aggressive, who's picking fights, who's willing to fight on behalf of her friends. Like, no question she's about. Because no one else in the show is really like as aggressive as Sam. So that stands out even more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think she easily is the firebender here. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you there. I feel like Carly and Freddie are a bit harder. They're kind of the like normal people of the group. I think the thing that really distinguishes these two from each other is that Freddie is a bit more introverted and Carly's more extroverted. Uh, ultimately, Zach, I had Freddie as the earthbender. I think he's the dependable one. He's always behind the camera. I think, uh, you know, Freddie, he seems a little bit more mellow, uh, less emotional. Um, you know, he seems like he's okay to just like stay out of the drama uh, he had his fair share but i feel like he was more okay um yeah uh do you agree with me there zach yeah i do i do he's more grounded a little earthbender pun there and yeah everything you're saying is correct he's more down to earth he just doesn't he doesn't um like no drama no anything no problems with him so yeah and i think it's the honestly if you want to pencil him as a waterbender that would be fine too but i do agree with you i think he exudes the most earthbender qualities here yeah and i think actually carly's the toughest one to pin down because you could say carly's like air water or earth and i wouldn't even like fight too hard on any three of those to be honest yeah, I think that Carly's probably a little bit more earthbender than she is waterbender. I just think Freddie is more earthbender than her. So out of the foursome, I think that Carly's a waterbender here. Uh, I wouldn't argue too much if you wanted to switch Carly and Freddie, but I think that's how I have them there. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And that's that for our T-Quartet. So we'll be back next week. 
and yeah. do you think what so what what's our plan for next week with this so content? so next week we're going to have a guest on uh audrey sizemore will be joining us next week very excited to have her on uh she's a big avatar fan she's doing a legend of Korra breakdown on youtube and she has some nice avatar stuff in her etsy store uh, i bought some face masks that lydia has been raving about uh, she says they're very comfortable for her face. Uh, but anyway, so we'll have her on next week. I think it'll be a little bit TBD as we work out what to do for the T Quartet. Uh, so you'll have Sounds to stay good, yeah. tuned for next week. Yeah, because I was about to say something and I was like, wait, I forgot about our guests. So yeah. I don't know if we're going to go do the T Quartet that we were thinking of doing. But yeah, so we'll TBD that. And I was actually thinking of purchasing those masks myself. So we'll give Audrey a little plug right here before, <laughs> before yeah. we even she even comes on. So hopefully she appreciates that. Yeah, we uh, actually we can definitely put the link to her Etsy store in the show notes because those masks are uh, very comfortable. I have a Fire Nation one that I wear around. Lydia likes to you know, mix it up a little bit. She wears air and water, uh, which I think is a bit weird. I think, you know, she should just commit to the water, but <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, she, she's a big fan of those masks. So we'll definitely put that plug in for Audrey and we're super excited to have her on next week. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter. Where can they find you, Jacob? At JK Redmond. That's R E D M O N. And uh, yeah, where can they find you, Zach? They can find me at Zach Mohammed 32 And I guess that'll be all for us. Thanks a lot for listening to this week's episode. Yeah. See you next time. See you next time. Bye.